Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. Listening to every single word that you had to say. Um, I have a tendency of doing that. Uh, but yeah, man, I just want to give honor to, you know, Pastor Brandon and Lakeshore. It is it, it is rare when you find people that are pursuing the same thing uh, that you are in Christianity. It's, it's hard. You, when you find people in your life that are running after the same thing, uh, guard those relationships, prioritize those relationships. They they really matter. They really matter. And I think as life gets harder uh, and the pressure that we face gets uh, thicker and more, and it, things get more difficult and tension uh, starts to weigh in on us, uh, you really, really, really need to find people in your life that you're like, I'm running with that guy. And if everyone else leaves me, if everyone else abandons me, at least I know I have that person in my life. A uh, little bit about me. I grew up in Seattle, Washington. I moved out to Atlanta, Georgia in 2013 to help start a church. Uh, I am newly married. I was married mid-COVID, which was awesome because I saved a ton of money on a wedding. So smaller wedding. It was great. And uh, I think, Brad, I think you have a picture. This is a, a picture of my wife and my 80-pound Bernadoodle, which was like I full on, I did not expect that I was going to go full like white suburban pastor and get a doodle, but I did. And I know you have one and I'm pretty sure you live in the suburbs, Brandon. Okay. We did. Hey, you know what? You got to have people that do life together with, you know, great minds think alike, but that is, that is uh, that was my first year of marriage idea was like, yeah, let's get a dog. And uh, my rule of thumb, you can write this down because none of you are like getting married anytime soon. Uh, hopefully you're like 18 max, you know, like be careful with that. But uh, my, my rule of thumb is first year of marriage. The answer to your wife is just like, yes. And she was like, we should get a dog. And I was like, yes. And then she's like, we should get a big dog. And I was more hesitant because I was like, I had dogs. I know it's going to be responsibility, but I said yes. And so now we have a dog that weighs like two-thirds of her weight and too much, and it's just unruly. But we're working on it. So that's my family. That's a little bit about me. Tonight, I want to talk to you about resilient faith. I want to talk to you about resilient faith. And as I was thinking about things that are resilient, the Lord brought me to his favorite restaurant, Chick-fil-A. And I was drinking a Diet Coke, and I was just reminded that styrofoam takes 500 years to decompose. You know what I'm saying? And that's a resilient substance right there. Like, that's going to outlast your life five times over. And, you know, I was like, man, that's crazy. And, I, and it was kind of drawn my heart of like, God actually wants uh, the thing that's in us to last for eternity. God wants to do something in our lives that lasts for eternity. He wants to do something that's resilient, that can withstand uh, all of the trials that we Face. He wants to do something significant in us. And I think so often we, we treat church like it's just something uh, like a supplement in our life that, that won't withstand anything. We, we allow what, what God does to just be, uh, to form a fragile faith. And I believe that God wants to do something that's more significant than that. And I think many of us in this room, especially you high schoolers, are kind of tired of looking at the faith that you've either been handed by your parents or the, or the experience that you've had and going like, I don't know if this is actually gonna last that long. 
Like, I think many of us find ourselves kind of disgruntled at times. Like, is this really all that, that this is? Like, a, is this it? And I believe that God wants to do something a little bit more significant, and I believe it's this next generation that's actually going to capture it. He wants to make resilient disciples. He wants to deposit a resilient faith, a faith that will withstand tests, trials, and the circumstances of life. I was reminded of my friend Andy Bird. He is the director of Fire and Fragrance in Kona, a missions organization in Kona. And him and his family are first responders for the foster care system in Kona. And really, what that means is that whenever there is a, a child that's at risk of going into juvenile hall or because of severe kind of like uh, just circumstances, the first person that they call is Andy. And I remember I heard him on an interview. He was, he was uh, like on a pastoral panel. And one of the pastors asked him, like, are you ever concerned about what gets brought into your house? Are you ever concerned that maybe there will be like something that's going to influence your kids in the wrong way? And he just kind of sat and pondered and then responded with no, because the culture of my house is stronger than what it, whatever will be brought in. The culture of my house is stronger than what gets brought in. And I just actually believe that God, again, wants to deposit something in your lives that's stronger than what the culture will bring in. I wonder if maybe we look at ourselves over this next weekend, we could begin to invite the Holy Spirit to confront our spirit, challenge us for where we've settled for a shallow, fragile faith so that he can develop within us a faith that will withstand, a faith that will be resilient. Jesus desires that you possess a resilient faith. And this weekend has really been developed to try to give us a framework for how we can go about being disciples of Jesus, spiritually formed into his image and likeness. I'm reminded of this verse in John chapter 10, verse 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow me. I believe that Jesus wants to invite us into a relationship with him where we know his voice, where his voice sticks out louder than every temptation that we experience, where his voice uh, sticks out louder than every circumstance that we find ourselves in. But I believe that God doesn't just want to reveal his voice to you. He wants to reveal his voice to you so that you can learn how to quickly obey my prayer to God in my own life is, Lord, I want to hear you clearly and I want to grow in quickness to obey what you say to me. I want to know God. I want to see God. Like, I believe that it's actually possible. Like, I am done with a, with a Christianity that's just about information. Like, I actually want to see God. If this Bible is actually true, then within me is the Spirit of God, which means I'm a walking temple, which means anywhere I go, I can have communion with God. Like I can experience God, the God that created all of the heavens, all of the earth, that wove me together in my mother's womb, who knows me. I can, I can see him. I can hear him. And I can obey him. Like this is what I want. 
This is what I want. I, I don't want leadership lessons. I don't want seven happy, happy, like habits to make me happier. That's not going to fill my soul. I need to figure out how to hear God. And that's what I want for you. Man, I want, that's what our, our friends need. It's what our cities need. I want to hear him. You know, you can, you can know a lot about someone. Like it's one thing to know a lot. I mean, some of us know a lot about the Bible. But knowing about someone is not following someone. And I know a lot about Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You know what I'm saying? Like I am like... A ten, like I am a bald man, so like I'm like I just want to be a snack size the rock. That's what I want in my life. That's legitimately what I want. Like, you know, and and I know a lot about the rock. You know, it's like ha 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 ha. You know, like Zoa or whatever it's called, right? Like I like him. I want to know about, but I don't. I don't actually know him. I know about him. I am a fan. And I think some of us have distanced ourselves from Jesus, and we think that we have relationship because we know a lot about him but that intimacy is formed in not just knowing about Jesus, but following Jesus. Because discipleship is about Jesus making you look like him. He wants to form you. He wants to shape you. He wants to create in you something new. I wanna be formed by him. Rich Villato says this, the troubling reality is that believers can be deeply committed to being Christian without ever being deeply formed by Christ. Come on, let's end that. I want to be deeply committed and deeply formed. I want Jesus to, to be seen and revealed through my life because I look like him, I live like him, and I love like him. I want people in my grocery store to be like, that's the guy that kind of looks like that guy, Jesus, that I think I know about in the Bible. Like, he's generous, he's kind, he's merciful, he's quick to forgive, he's encouraging, he loves well. I want, I want that, and I want that for you. I want people that walk into our churches to be like, these people are weird because they take this Christianity thing really seriously. And I don't mean like religiously, like, oh man, they think they're better than everybody. I want to be like, I want people to walk into these doors, right? And you are looking for people to bless. You understand what I'm saying? Like, this is supposed to be a celebration, right? Like we're meant to be self-sacrificial to love each other really well. We are believers in Jesus, the one who laid down his life so that we may experience life that is truly life. He gave himself. And what we've made is we've made communities of people that don't know how, it's uncomfortable to give ourselves. What if, what if, what if tomorrow morning when we're worshiping, what if you just look around and go, I'm gonna bless five people during worship. I'm gonna look at someone and go, I'm gonna encourage them. I'm gonna stir up the faith. The Bible says that we're called to stir up the faith. What if you looked around and you're like, hey, this person needs a blessing. I know what this person's going through. The Bible says we're called to bear each other's burdens. What if you, what if you came in like, I'm gonna lighten the load that they're carrying, you know? What if you came in and be like, I'm gonna be a blessing today. I'm gonna love people well. Jesus desires us to follow him, to know his ways, to be a disciple of him, and to express our unique identity in Christ to the world. We must form a resilient faith that is greater than the way of the world. This is why discipleship matters. 
There's this quote by Neil Cole that haunts me as a pastor. And it says this, ultimately each church will be evaluated by one thing, its disciples. Your church is only as good as its disciples. It does not matter how good your praise, preaching programs, or property are if your disciples are passive, needy, consumerist, and not moving in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not good. Boom. That is hard. That is hard. That hits. Man, I want to I want to be I want to have the substance of Jesus in my church, in my life. How, how many times do I, do I sit in, in gatherings? This is me. I'm not even talking about, how many times am I like you sitting here and going, this guy's not funny enough. This sermon doesn't have enough, it's not good. The music wasn't, I'm a consumer. Or I go and I go, I go, oh man, that information wasn't unique enough. It wasn't profound. It didn't stir me. Oh man, like that, what have I done to my faith when I approach church as something to be consumed, as a product to purchase. Oh my goodness, Lord, I repent. Come on, man. Like, I want what Jesus has for me. And what Jesus has for me looks like him confronting my spirit so that I would look like him more. Let me tell you what Jesus has for you. Jesus has comfort and challenge that he wants to give you simultaneously that you would look like him, that you would be able to withstand the things of this world. That you'd be able to have a faith that's greater and can endure the pains of life. Any framework of discipleship that does not confront your way of life and shape your life to look more like Jesus is fragile and a lesser vision of what Jesus had. Understand this. Like, the weight of discipleship is that you encounter the Holy Spirit And he reveals through kindness and mercy, only like he can, the places in your life where you have to make a change. It's significant, it's costly, it's weighty. And we have to understand this. Discipleship is more than simply being just a learner. Discipleship is learning the ways of Jesus that you would then continue his ministry. Your yes to Jesus is not just a yes to salvation. It's a yes to a continuation of his workmanship on this earth. This is what we say yes to. God, I'm in. I know I need forgiveness. I need salvation. But the invitation that Jesus gives back to us is to look like him and to continue his work. So this weekend... We're really going to frame around one passage, and that's out of Mark 1, 14 through 15. It says this, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe in the gospel. Believe in the good news. Follow me, become my disciple. Jesus' ministry interrupted the world. And I, I believe that our God is a God that ministers through interruption. I believe that. I think we, we I love the word encounter. It's really great. I, I, I use the word interruption uh, as a form of encounter. 
Like I encounter God when he interrupts. Like I, I saw, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, let me just, I'm, I'm going to be real honest real quick. I get distracted easily. I try to multitask every single thing I do. Like it's, it's not cool unless I'm juggling too many things, right? I like, I like perpetually like to feel overwhelmed. You know what I'm saying? I, I just, like I talk to my counselor and he's just like, what are you doing, man? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trying to kill two birds with one stone. Always, you know? And the reality is, is that like, God has to sometimes interrupt my life. And if I'm honest with the way that I encountered the Lord, it wasn't anything I did. It wasn't any place that I was. It was God literally interrupting my life and changing my life. And that was the place of encounter. God interrupts and he's constantly interrupting. And this is why it matters that we make space like this and we say, God, I want what you have. And what he wants to do is he wants to interrupt your life and prove to you that he's real. He wants to grab your heart and prove to you that he's real. But the interruption of God always leads to the invitation of God, which is to be my disciple. And the only way we can respond to the invitation to be a disciple is to repent. And repentance has this way of being a bad word in our culture. It can be used in, in, in ways to make people feel bad about themselves, but repentance is the first words of Jesus. It's a priority of his church. And it's actually a really beautiful invitation because repentance is about allegiance. It's about who your yes is to. Repentance is about allegiance. You see, years earlier, before Jesus, there would have been a messenger from Rome going to that same city saying, repent for Rome is here. You can either turn from your ways or Rome will forcibly take everything from you and make you turn. So the audience that Jesus is speaking to would have been well-versed with what repentance actually meant. There's a kingdom at hand and you need to turn. And yet Jesus says it like he always does, with grace, with an invitation. And rather than saying you can turn or be destroyed, he says you can turn and you can get life that's truly life. Who are you going to give your allegiance to? Who are you going to give your allegiance to? The significance of your yes is what you're convicted to say no to. The significance of your yes is what you're willing to say no to. How many of you know it's about to be January, right? Which is wild. And every January, the gyms fill up, right? It's like, everyone's like, I'm saying yes to getting in shape this year, baby. COVID-19's 19 pounds on me. It's going away. But the reality is, is that the significance of your yes is only limited to your willingness to say no to Chick-fil-A. Like, for real. Like, it is, I am dying right now. Because I'm like, okay, this year's the year, man. I am going, snack size Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I just got to get jacked, and I'm going to have to get really tan. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but like, the reality is, is the only way that's going to happen is if I'm willing to say no to like pizza, which I really, really like. Like, and if I'm willing to say no to sleeping in because I have to go to the gym, right? If I'm willing, your yes only matters to what you say no to. When people get married, it's not the vows that magically make life happily ever after. When I stood uh, in front of my friends and family and said yes to my wife, it had no significance. The significance of my vows to my wife was that now it's no to everyone else, period. Everyone else. 
Not only is it a no to, to any other woman, but it's, it's a no to someone else taking a priority before her in my life. The weight of my yes is my ability to hold to that conviction to that no. Repentance draws attention to what you are saying yes to. A disciple is being an apprentice of Jesus that says yes to the invitation to follow him. I would say this, to be a disciple is to be an apprentice of Jesus committed to learning and practicing his ways for the renewal of all things. And I've chosen these words in, intentionally. In the Bible, disciple simply means learner, but I believe the word apprentice is really helpful. If you know anyone that's been in carpentry or worked in the union or, or done construction, you have to apprentice. And what that means is you actually learn a trade so that you can partake in the work, right? My brother's a carpenter. He had to learn from someone and he learned from someone as an apprentice to continue the work. The invitation of being a disciple of Jesus is that you wouldn't just know his ways, is that you learn and you'd practice his ways because he believes in you and wants you to continue his work. If we have a vision of discipleship that doesn't encompass us continuing the work of Jesus in our very lives, then we're not actually being disciples, right? We got to have a vision of what Jesus wants to do in and through your life to continue his work on this earth. And this is why it's significant in the Bible where Jesus says, greater works you will do greater things you will do because his vision of how he disciples you and forms you and shapes your life is that you would continue his work on earth until it can be said it's on earth as it is in heaven. We are those that bring renewal. We become ambassadors of Christ. We carry his goodness, his mercy, his kindness, his joy, his hope, his peace, his power, his authority. This is what we have within us. You're a walking temple that brings reconciliation and healing to a broken world. He doesn't just want you to know about him. He wants you to live with him that you would continue his work. You would continue his work. The band can come up. I'll move to a close. I, I think a lot about the idea of continuing his work and I, I think often about why, what the complaints are about the church. And I don't wanna just, I'm not here to be negative. My wife texts me and she always does this before our school. She always like, be gentle. Like, I'm going to try. Sometimes I'm harsh. I don't want to be harsh. It's a little bit late. It's kind of my bedtime right now, so we'll see what we're going to get. But I think about why, why, like, I mean, I grew up in Seattle. I was like the one Christian kid in my school. You know what I'm saying? And I think, I mean, I've heard every excuse why no one's going to come to church. And, I, and I've been around people that have hurt, been hurting and pain. And, you know, and I, and I just think the number one thing I've heard is that you like that we actually aren't about it. Like we don't do we don't do what we see Jesus doing in the Bible. We don't live it out. And that's not to shame anybody, but I'm just saying, like, I have to believe 
that there's a generation of believers that are gonna take seriously the invitation of Jesus that says, I will be the person that takes this invitation seriously. I will be the person that when Jesus says, follow me, I won't just learn about it in the Greek. Like I'm actually gonna apply it in my life. Like I'm gonna apply it in my life. I'm gonna look differently. I'm gonna love differently. Like I'm gonna love extravagantly. I'm gonna give mercy to people. Like I'm actually gonna be generous. God doesn't want you to just white knuckle your religion for the rest of your life. Like he actually wants to change you until what's instinctive in your nature looks like him. Like we have to have a vision of discipleship that's not just like, I hope I don't do bad things anymore. Like where we actually get around Jesus as a priority in our life, where he starts to change us from the inside out, where our desires change, where what we see changes, how we speak changes. Like, oh man, we, we gotta have a bigger vision of what God wants to do. Because there's people that are hurting and a lesser vision of what God wants to do in your life will no longer cut it. I hate to break it to you, but like life is only going to get harder and the pressure is only going to get more and more and more. And I think some of you in this room actually know that. Like it, some of you in this room have like gone through it the last two years. Parents getting divorced, losing friends, being quarantined. Like some of you are like, it was hard. Like I've been through some things. I've seen some things. I've watched and heard some things. I've experienced some pain. And maybe I'm preaching to just one person, but someone's been through something real and they can't have a fragile faith anymore. Like it's just not gonna cut it. And I just believe that God wants to deposit that in you, that you would be a light in a dark world with a strong faith. And I don't even care, it might be a seventh grader or a sixth grader. Like God wants to deposit something in you that is more resilient than what the world wants to take away, than what Satan and the grave and death wants to take away. He wants to give you a voice that's louder than the voice of the enemy. Oh, come on, we know that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. But do we really live with the faith that says, but God, but Jesus has come to give me life and life abundantly. Like, do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? I'm reminded and I'll, I'll close with this. I'm being too Pentecostal. Calm down. It's day one. It's night one. Here we go. Jesus invites young men follow him. First of all, no rabbi does this. Like Jesus is a rabbi. He's a teacher. No one would, no one would do this in this day and age. See, what would normally happen is young men would approach a rabbi and say, may I follow you? They would look him up and down. They would see what they knew. And then they might say, maybe they would be selective because they knew that that young person was going to have to learn their ways to continue this way. So it was a very selective process. Here's how Jesus flips it upside down. Jesus goes out and he finds fishermen, those that have deemed themselves unqualified to even ask to be disciples. So they just continue their father's work in boats. He goes out to them and in his invitation is the validation of their identity. So do you feel insecure? Do you feel like your identity, like you're not good enough? Jesus is coming to you saying, I believe that if you follow me, you can continue the ministry that I have. He invites you 
to follow him. He believes in you. So whether or not you believe in yourself is irrelevant. Whether or not you've seen it, it doesn't matter yet. Jesus has seen you and he's calling you. I believe you can, I've got, I've got a work for you. I've got a work for you. Your hands were meant to continue my ministry. I believe in you, will you follow me? And so the disciples choose to follow him and he gets on this hill and he preaches the, the Sermon on the Mount, which is essentially how, how then do you live as one that continues in this kingdom? How, how do you partake in the kingdom of God? And I'm haunted by the last phrases that he gives in, in Matthew chapter 7. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Oh, and the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock and does, and does not do them. Oh, whoops. And everyone who hears those words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Oh, and the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall. He says, Every one of you is going to have to build your life. You're going to build a house out of your life. And you have a choice to make. Am I going to build my life on the firm foundation, which is Christ Jesus? Or am I going to choose to build my life on my own self-effort, on my own ability, on all the things that I can do, what I think makes me special, what I think can protect me from the pain and the circumstances of this world? And Jesus says, regardless of where you build your house, the floods are going to come. The winds are going to blow. The rains are going to knock against you. Life is going to be hard. Things are going to be painful. You're going to go through seasons of struggling, wandering, questioning, doubting, fearing. Oh, but if you build your life on Jesus, though the storms come, you may be shaken, but you won't be destroyed. Man, and I just believe that the world, you know what the world wants? The world wants a way to escape pain. If 2020 shows us anything, it said no matter how hard you try, all it takes is a pandemic to make you realize that you can't escape death. You can't escape it. There are forces in this world that are gonna come against you. You can't escape it. Through technology, convenience, strategy, you can't escape it. Your talents won't save you. The world wants to escape it, but what they're looking for is people that are willing to go through it. And let me tell you, the only way you will endure going through it is building your life on the right thing. Anchoring your soul with the one who made it. So the question is, how do we do that? The first thing we must do is repent. Oh, Jesus, I've used you as a supplement. I add you into my life when it's convenient. God, I pray to you and I say, my will be done. My plans be done. On earth as it is in my imagination, I want it my way. God, I've turned you into a convenience store where I just come to you to buy the things and take the things that I need. God, I repent. God, I repent for every moment that I try to be the Lord over my, my own life, where I choose my ways, where I choose temptation that, that's so easy. God, I choose, I, I choose the easy way rather than the faithful way. God, I repent. God, I repent. 
And I turn to you. I turn to you. I want to see you. I want your ways. So here's what we're going to do. Let's just stand real quick. And prayer teams and leaders, if you want to come forward, I just, I, I want to put a stake in the ground as a generation, as a, as a group of believers in Jesus that, that repentance isn't going to be a thing that we push away. We're not going to run from it like it's scary. But we're going to run towards it because it's We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.